Hi everyone, how are you doing today? I hope you've been having a great day or if you're just starting out your day, then good for you because you're listening to Angie's Two Cobbles. I am Angie Inspired, the host and producer of this podcast that always gives you thought-provoking opinions and inspires you. Interestingly, we're going to be talking about well, an issue or a topic that is a follow-up to something I did two episodes ago, the episode titled Seriously Speaking. In fact, to that end, I have feedback on that from that episode uh, that was sent to me and it reads, our society isn't even helping. We bombard ourselves with so much sexual content that it eventually breeds such an evil vice as rape. It is so sad and we owe it to ourselves to sanitize our society by speaking against rape, helping rape victims, and stop selling sex through the media, and to individually stop objectifying every lady, girl, and woman out there. The responsibility is for everyone. Okay, just to put that uh, feedback into context, that was in response to the episode where we talked about um, the rape uh, the alleged rape of prostitutes that were carted off from nightclubs by police officers and of course there were also reports that some of these women uh, the police officers demanded sex in exchange for bail and there were a lot of other disturbing reports so as you can imagine we are obviously going to be talking about rape today as i said since i said it's a follow-up to that i had actually intended to do this episode before something that is in the news currently in the news happened and for a second i contemplated not doing this because well i wanted the storm to blow over but then at the same time i thought about it and i said no this is perfect the perfect time for this because people need to hear this people need to stop what we're doing which is what I'm talking about today that's um, the topic for today's episode is the culture called rape and I'm talking about rape culture the way we have institutionalized it in our society the way we have made it okay for people to get away with rape because instead of focusing on the abuser we focus on the victim and we engage in victim blaming and it is not fair if anything the recent news of the alleged rape of Pusola Dakolo is a perfect example and just uh, as a disclaimer this podcast this particular episode is not just about it's about every other rape victim out there but because it's the freshest or the freshest in our memory and it presents itself as a perfect case study i'm going to be making references to it um first of all rape culture is that um enabling environment that we have given to rape to for rape to thrive because of the way the way we react to it instead of condemning it We have a way of sidestepping the issue and focusing on other things that we shouldn't be focusing on instead. Instead of bringing or calling that the abuser be brought to book, we have a way of blaming the victim. And sometimes it doesn't even come out as outrightly doing so. We don't even go about it by really just saying, oh, you, you're lying or stuff like that. It shows itself in the questions that we ask. Questions that we shouldn't even be asking in the first place. Questions that we have no right to be asking. For example, we hear that a lady is raped. Perhaps maybe she went to perhaps she went to a friend's house, a male friend's house, and then she gets raped. And then before any questions are like, what was she doing there in the first place? Why did she go there at that time? What was she wearing? And the point is that somebody's rights just got violated in the most the most painful, hurtful, 
I don't even know how to describe it. The worst way that you can imagine. And instead of addressing that, we're blaming the victim. We're shaming the victim. We're making the victim feel like the criminal here for speaking up. More often than not, we tell people that, oh, if you've been abused, speak up. But once we, they speak up, we still go around to stifle them by the questions we ask. So am I saying we shouldn't be asking questions at all? Yeah, kind of. Because it's not your right to ask those questions. For example, in the case of Busola Dakulu now, her, the alleged rape, when, when she came forward, most people started asking, why now? Why is she coming forward now? This is something that happened to her over a decade ago, and she's just coming forward now. And my question to you is, who makes you judge and jury to decide when it's okay for a rape victim to come out to speak her own truth? There is no statute of limitations on rape or on trauma, generally speaking. You don't get to say that, oh, it's been 10 years, so oh yeah, this should be swept under the carpet, it's not fresh anymore. It doesn't make sense. Let's look at the example of political office holders. If something damning should come out right now about some notable political officer, anybody in government at a federal level, and it should come out that, oh, the person committed a crime, for example, he killed someone 20 years ago. If that should come out, would you be saying, would you really be asking that, oh, that happened 20 years ago, what doesn't matter now? Like, seriously. You know why? You wouldn't say that because... It doesn't change the fact that a crime has been committed. It doesn't matter when it happened. It doesn't change the fact that there are people that are suffering because of that person's actions. And those those actions have consequences. And it is only logical that that person should answer for his or her actions, his or her crime. Actions have consequences. It doesn't matter how long ago it matters. It's happened. So you don't get to say, ask why is she just coming forward now and another thing i saw or i've seen in this issue uh, as it's playing out is that somebody asked or somebody said that oh why didn't she fight back and we've heard different cases whereby during the course of the rape the victim doesn't fight back the victim just gives in and then somebody goes on to say has a goal to actually say that it's consented rape and the first thing that comes to my mind is how does that even make sense because if you say it's consented rape, then that means you're trying to tell me that it's possible for there to be such a thing as yes and no, as an answer. I ask you, have you eaten today? And then you tell me yes and no. That doesn't make sense, does it? Because it's either a yes or a no. It cannot be both. In the same way, there's no such thing as consented rape. It's either it is rape or it is not. Either once someone does not give consent, it doesn't matter if violence is used. It doesn't matter if there's the the abuser is thrashing about beating the rape victim up or inflicting some form of physical harm on her or him it doesn't matter the point is that consent was not given and more often than not we must understand we fact we must understand the fact that these things happen on a psychological level if the abuser is someone that has been trusted over time somebody that is in a place of authority someone that is an authority figure or someone that is respected by the victim there's a lot of things that happen that play out in that split second that the abuse happens there are a lot of factors that come into play a lot of there's a shock there's the pain there's a hurt there's a betrayal there's a disappointment there's a trauma a lot of things so you you can't say it's this thing is not there's no hard and fast truth to say oh when you're being raped this is how you're supposed to react 
you don't get to say that you don't get to invalidate a person's experience just by how you perceive or assume that person should have reacted another question people might ask is how do we know it's truth oh we are here we've not heard the two sides of the narrative it's not fair blah 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 now nobody is necessarily saying that the abuser is hundred it's definitely culpable it's not definite that's what the law courts are meant for what people like me are saying is that we should create a safe environment where the victims can easily come forward and speak their truth without fear or that they will be blamed without fear that they will be discriminated against without fear that they will be stigmatized without fear that they will be shamed if we do not create that kind of society then we stop we institutionalize rape we make rape part of our customs, our traditions, part of our culture, part of our identity. And that's what I have to say to you rape apologists. You people who, instead of focusing or addressing the abuse, have found a way to, to shame the victim, which is absolutely not fair. The law courts are there. If, okay, the victim has come forward, has said, this is my truth, then fine. You have, you as, or the abuser has the right to also come forward and speak his or her own truth. So what now happens is that the law courts can decide on the matter. However, you and I do not have a right to speak or to talk to talk down at any victim. We do not have a right to invalidate. We do not have a right to ask questions that make the person feel like a criminal for stepping forward. So it doesn't matter, are you male, female, black, white, young, old, whoever you are, if you've been abused in any way, sexually, in any way, then you have a right to speak forward, to speak up. You have a right to come forward. It's not your fault. And if anybody makes you feel like it's your fault, then shame on that person. And shame on you if you think that it is okay to go around blaming victims of rape. That, these are my two cents. These are my two cents on this matter. We need to create a safe environment for people to come forward, people who have been abused, people who are victims of different kinds of crimes to come forward. We need to do better as a society. And these are my two cents on this matter, as I've said. Please do reach out to me, whatever uh, you want to add to this narrative, please and please. You can follow me on Instagram at Angie Inspired. I'd love to hear from you and hear what you have to say about this matter. But for now, let's stop promoting rape. Can we do that? I'm sure we can. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Bye. Hello, hello everybody. How are you doing today? You're welcome to this episode of Angie's Two Cobbles. I am Angie Inspired. Of course, this episode is going to be filled with lots of wheat, uh, thought-provoking moments. And don't worry, this one is a little is a little lighter than the topics I've been treating in recent in the recent past. It's a, also a serious issue, but lighter. And on that note, I'll be starting this episode off with a story I wrote back in 2017. Enjoy. It is titled, The Interview. She greeted her teeth and slowly turned her head to face the impeccably dressed young man seated beside her. He was dressed so well, yet spurting such nonsense from the hole in his face he called a mouse. She shook her head vigorously to cleanse her mind of the insulting retorts that were already forming in her head. Smiling sweetly, she replied, Not all Iberia girls are named Oiza. Oh, I see. So what is your name? he asked. 
his voice sounded so innocent but she could feel the blood already boiling because she was about to prove him right the entire conversation had begun when she had brought out her credentials from the brown envelope to ensure she had all she needed with her in the course of rearranging the documents he had caught sight of her tribe listed as Ebera from koji state and he immediately said in that ignorant way that most people did so you are Ibira. Is your name also Oiza? She was immediately incensed by the stereotype he was about to lump her into, and the fact that he did not even have the courtesy of greeting her politely before launching into the rubbish he had just said incensed her. To make matters worse, he had pronounced the tribe wrongly. In her reply, she emphasized the word Ibira, but he had not even noticed. Instead, he had been more considered. Oh, God. She was being mean to this guy in her thoughts. That would only prove right what everybody else had been saying about Ibra people, about how hot-headed and troublesome they were. <sighs> Once again, she breathed in a deep, stabilizing breath and answered, My name is actually Oiza, too. She quickly added, But it is a coincidence. There are other great Ibra names like Ozabize, Oreme, Onimire, Ohunene, and so on. Wow, I never knew that. I know of one Ibera girl from the university, and she and her sister were both named Oiza. She frowned at the possibility of that story, but humored him and laughed. Weird, right? He said good-naturedly, then added, My name is Shedrak. She took his extended hand, and before she knew it, light-hearted banter around the interview had already begun. She learned a few tips from him, and he did from her too. She was then glad she had not allowed her nerves to get the best of her earlier and launched into a tirade of how she was not to be stereotyped with the rest of her Ibera brothers and sisters. She marveled at the fact that she had also been guilty of thinking he was like the rest of the other annoying people she had come in contact with. Suddenly, he tapped her and she gave a start, thinking it was her turn. Sorry, I didn't mean to startle you. You must have been lost in thought. I just wanted to ask a question, he said. All right, she inquired encouragingly, assuming it was a clarification on interview etiquette he was about to ask for. I was wondering, um, all the Ibera names you mentioned earlier all start with O. Is it that all Ibera names begin with O? Because I've never heard of any that didn't. Oiza stared at him incredulously, then slumped her head against the wall and groaned. So much for thinking she had eliminated stereotype. All right, so that's the story. Like I said, it's titled The Interview. And if you got the gist of the story, I'm thinking you might guess what I'm about to talk about. Yeah, if you guess stereotype, you're right. So we're going to be talking about stereotypes and generally how we, there are lots of stereotypes in Nigeria. Goodness, they are like all over the place. There's a stereotype that uh, your bad people are talkatives, the Igbo people like money. Hazard people don't like to go to school. Then Ibra people, which happens to be where I hail from, Koki states, the stereotype is there that um, we are hot-headed, aggressive, wicked, stubborn, name it. There are lots of stereotypes in Nigeria, lots and lots of them. There there are tribes that people assume are all wicked. They're the ones that people believe are promiscuous. They are the ones that people believe are very fetish, etc. But then these stereotypes actually hurt us. They are bad. They are bad for society. And you may ask why. I mean, it's not a big deal. You might think, oh, the stereotypes don't really hurt anybody, do they? But if you really look at it or look at this situation, more often than not, the stereotypes that are perpetrated in society are negative and offensive. 
For example, let's look at the stereotype of the black man in America. The average stereotype of the black man is that he is a school dropout, he's a gangbanger, he's name it, he's just not cut out for success. That's the stereotype. Or is it the fact that we stereotype men as not being emotional or being sensitive? So that is why we always go be a man. And being a man in that sense means don't show any form of emotion or sensitivity. And of course, we also have the stereotype about, of feminists. The feminists are always angry. Yes, that's one stereotype. Or the stereotype that women are weak, can't control their emotions and blah, blah, blah. And I know you might be thinking at this moment, but... Some of these things are true now, like, I've seen it, uh, you might say that you've seen it play out, like, more often than not, the facts support the stereotype, but that brings me to another um, disadvantage of stereotypes, that's the fact that they give us a limited worldview. The the thing uh, with stereotypes is that it makes you narrow-minded and myopic, I'm sorry, but it's the truth of the matter. In fact, if anything, I'm speaking to all of us, because I think I have stereotypes that have also but i've bought into over time so i'm speaking to all of us stereotypes make us myopic stereotypes give us a very very limited worldview we assume a particular thing about people without even getting to know them first of all now that brings me to another point which is the fact that stereotypes do not allow us to appreciate people's uniqueness their individuality we, we always picture people as is heard you know Okay, I like documentaries. I like animal documentaries. So if you watch them, you see the way the herd of buffaloes just go in one direction all the time. Or you see the herd of zebras or antelopes or any um, any animal that, that moves in, in herds. They always go in one direction. Even if the leader or the person, people in front are walking through fire, they just go with them. And that's what stereotypes do to us. They make us see people that way. We forget the fact that people and individuals, people are a combination of a lot of things. Nobody is just one thing. For example, I am Angela Omoru. I'm a podcaster. I'm a writer. I'm a journalist. I'm a woman. I'm someone's daughter. I'm, I'm a lot of things. I'm not just one thing. So you can't just use an aspect of my personality or an aspect of my being and use it to generalize who I am or or, or assume that I'm a particular thing. People are more than just one thing. You cannot take away their individuality. And once once we we keep doing that, before you know, there's something called the stereotype, stereotype threats. Now, stereotype threats simply refers to um, that fear that someone has, someone that has been stereotyped has, that fear that he or she end, will end up being the stereotype. And because we, we uh, label people in a certain way, more often than not, we push them to a corner where they end up playing out or being the stereotype, even if that's not who they are. Let me give an example with, um, okay, in fact, not even an example. There was a study that was done sometime in the 1990s uh, whereby black, some black kids, um, along with some white kids, were given assessment, I think GRE exams or something like that, GRE tests. They were assessed, and then some of the black kids were told that, oh, this test I'm giving to you is for, to assess your intellectual capacity. And a lot of the black kids didn't do well. They didn't do as well as their white counterparts. But when that same test was given to the same set of students and then they were not told that it would be used to assess their intellect, they did well. So that tells you, that's that explains stereotype threats, that once you keep 
categorizing people or categorizing society in groups it only goes to divide us further because what we're doing is we're looking for similarities in amongst subsets and then we're grouping them together but as you're looking for those similarities between or amongst the subsets what you're doing is you're also finding the differences amongst all of them so what you're doing in essence is you're dividing society as you go all in the name of stereotypes so some people might say that uh, stereotypes make the world easier for us to understand because they break down complex constructs let's say uh, they help us to like human beings we like to categorize stuff because it makes us easy makes it easier to digest information makes it easier to remember certain things about people so they say that stereotypes are inevitable in society but well i say that we can always learn to deal with people on an individual basis before you form your opinions about a particular person try to get to know that person first of all okay what type of person is this person you don't just see someone say oh this person is Yoruba he's like this is Igbo is like that is Ibra is like that or is Hausa ETC or is Idoma or whatever you don't do that it's not it's not right it's not fair it doesn't give the person even a chance it's like you're, you're failing someone or telling telling someone that the person has filled an exam even before the person has sits or has sat for the exam so I say that instead of perpetuating stereotypes and st- that end up dividing society by categorizing people, what I think is you should do is stare off saying this is my type of person, that's my type of person, and all of that. Let's let's stare off that kind of behavior. And I think when we do make little changes like this here and there, we actually make this place much easier to live in, this world easier to live in. So These are my two cents on this matter on stereotypes. I would love to hear what you have to say about this matter. It's pretty serious and I think we should take it a little more seriously to do better. Uh, Nobody likes being stereotyped, so don't do it to other people. Let me know what you think Uh, on Instagram. You can follow me at Angie Inspired. Of course, as usual, I love you guys for listening. Have a nice day.